Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage, live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matter. All right, here we are. It's a semi-live edition of Mortgage Matters this week. We're, uh, we're recording it. We're recording. It's a brand new episode to you, but uh, we're not in the studio right now. We're we're in the studio three days ago. As the garden geek, <laughs> as the garden geek likes to point out, that he's in there on Thursday. We're in on Wednesday. Right. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. As uh, as we get a little older and life gets a little more complicated with all the children and being pulled in all the different directions. Um, you know, summertime's here. There's lots of lots of stuff going on. Everybody's got their family uh, activities and get-togethers and things, and uh, so we're finding it has been a difficult year to get together live on a Saturday morning in the KVEC studio. So we are, uh, we've, we've caught on to this new idea that Jim brought to our attention, the idea of doing a pre-recorded show when we can't make it in on a Saturday. So that's what we're doing here today. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. And uh, that voice you hear, that's Will Barnaby joining me. I'm Dan Podesto. We are representing Central Coast Lending. Um, as always, we're here to... Um, Provide a little insight into the real estate and mortgage markets, the economy, the you know what's going on in the week and how it's influenced real estate and the mortgage interest rates and things like like that. So we're here, um, and in the second hour, we're going to be joined by Brian Thorndike. He's a realtor up in the Paso Robles area. Yep, Remax Parkside Real Team Three Sixty is his group. Very cool. So we'll we'll enjoy talking to him here in the next hour. Um, so here we are. The fair just ended. It's still hot. Feels like fair season. I'm glad it's done. (laughs) (laughs) I know, uh, the fair comes to town and you guys are always there, right? Well, yeah, you know, we spent quite a bit of time at the fair. It's, it's definitely good times, but, uh, all good things must come to an end (laughs) or, you know, I'm old. I might come to an end. (laughs) Oh, come on, Will. You're not that old. (laughs) And we get the voice of the fair back. There we go. Jim's here. Yeah. How was it? Was it good? It was great. Yeah. What was the highlight of the fair this year? Um, You know, I I loved seeing Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Okay. It was the final um, uh, show that they were doing for the Soul to Soul tour. And so it, it it was fun to see them. I've seen them both separately, but not together. Oh, cool. and it was a phenomenal show. But I tell you what, Luke Bryan was great, too. That was my favorite, undoubtedly. Yeah. Did you see when he did uh, Mountain Music by Alabama? Oh, yeah. The place came apart, oh, basically, yeah. really? almost literally. People were up there on the grandstand doing the stomp and the feet, and I'm like, hmm, <laughs> is this going to stand for this? You know, so it was great. little aluminum. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think um, if anybody can do Fishing in the Dark as good as the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, it's Luke Bryan. So it was really good. Cool. So I think those were great. Yeah, Eric Church was good too, but Luke Bryant definitely put on the show. Mm-hmm. It was a great show. And 
I went in not really knowing who the guy was. I know that might be blasphemy since we're sitting in the K-Jug studio here. But, uh, yeah, I, I had no idea really who he was. My wife was like, you'll, you'll recognize some songs. You're going to have fun. It was a great show. Awesome. That guy puts on a good show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, when they got together at the end with the opening act and uh, did some of the older music, it was, it was a really good time. Yeah, good it, was, time. it was phenomenal. Cool. And uh, just good. You know, and then the fair is just fun. Yeah, just to, it just is to a good see time. all the stuff that really is the fair by doing the you know the animal exhibits and seeing all that stuff, it's Americana and it's really a lot of fun to go see that stuff too. So. Yeah, you have to try to not have fun at the fair. Exactly. So, yeah, what you got to try to do is not eat all that fried stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and man, it was hot this whole week, couple weeks with the fair. Just, I mean, it unrelenting heat. Well, my temperature thing in my car when i got there said 112 wow and it was only off by about three degrees yeah so i know yeah i know i was uh i was out of town for the last week um up in the south lake tahoe area camping Mm -hmm. and um, as i drove back into town it was around six o'clock on i don't even know what day a, a tuesday or something and it was still 106 degrees out at 6 p.m oh yeah extremely uncomfortable yeah crazy uh, yeah but they have beer at the fair right yeah there they have is. lots of uh, <laughs> lots of things to help cool you down you know regulate yeah, yeah. that temperature it's a very important part of fair going yeah i ducked into my air-conditioned booth <laughs> real quick anyway cool there we go <laughs> well here we are we're back uh we're back in the swing of things work is uh work keeps on going even though the fair's in town and mm. and uh we just got to keep Keep hustling, so uh, the show must go on. Same with Mortgage Matters. Glad that you joined us and stuck around uh, after an edition of uh, Motor Mouse. Motor Mouse. Mm-hmm. They're back in action they after are. their summer break. See, everybody has trouble summer with these break. summer breaks. Yeah, you know, the boy. kids get older; they want to go do things. Yeah, it's called uh, it's called life. Yeah, it's called a life. Yeah. Um, Dan's talking about the kids getting older. My oldest is in right. college. Like yeah, yours now doesn't years. want anything to do with you. But. <laughs> oh, the older one does now. <laughs> The younger one, maybe not. Suddenly, suddenly, dad's really important because, um, dad, can I get a little help getting a car or whatever? You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that rent's looking pretty big. You know? Yeah, so, it, cha- it changes once they're in school. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we do have a, a you know, little bit of um, economic news to go through. Um, today was, it's the first day of, of August here for us. Again, you're, you're three days in the future. Um, so I know that'll be confusing for this entire two hours, but today was the first day of the month. It was the, um, August fed meeting, um, occurred today, or at least the the two day meeting concluded today. So we got some feedback from the fed, um, some idea of, of what the rest of the year is going to look like, um, according to them. And so we'll cover all those news bits here as we make our way, uh, through the week that was the week and a half that was. Um, I know, you know, one of the big things that I had been waiting for, I know a lot of us have been waiting for was news that came out last week about GDP and GDP was, a like so many of the data points lately, it was positive. Um, you know, we, we saw growth at about a 4.1% annualized rate. Um, so that's, that's an excellent number. Makes us feel good that the economy is growing. That um, the Fed can c- 
confidently continue with their plan of action, which is to um, continue the slow and steady increase in their benchmark rate, tightening of policy. Yeah, and they're going to start to uh, off some of the securities that they're holding. They're going to do a little bit of quantitative easing, I guess it's still called at this point. Are we still... We're still doing quantitative. I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, we still hold a lot of those. You don't really hear people refer to it as that. Yeah, but they are they are selling a lot of the uh, the underlying securities that they held for so long. Well, and certainly we see the balance sheet of the treasury and how it's grown so much over the the last decade, and know that that's a reflection of all the quantitative easing, all of the money that's been injected uh, into the economy over the last ten years or more. Um, that have helped keep rates low, helped spur economic growth. And and now as they start to take the foot off that gas pedal um, by normalizing policy, normalizing interest rates, we're still seeing growth in the form of a, a solid GDP number. We're still seeing strength in the job market, although one might argue that there's still some slack because we're not seeing the wages increase, but we're seeing a very strong unemployment number Um so I think this is just more evidence that the economy is growing and I don't know, part of me says it's still recovering. Um, you know, it, it still feels, feels odd to say that 10 years after a recession, but this is, you know, it was an unprecedented recession and it's been an unprecedented recovery, a slow recovery. Yeah, it's definitely been a slow recovery, but like you said, it was an unprecedented drop as well. And uh, a bit more complicated, a little bit more difficult to unwind than a regular cyclical, you know, downturn. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, things definitely look a little better. The GDP number was good. Um, How much of that's, I mean, I don't know, a flash because of some of the policy that's come out and how much of it's actually going to be ongoing. Some of that's still left to be seen. But a lot of companies were holding a lot of cash as well for years years and years. I mean, you hear, you can't turn on the television without hearing how much money Apple holds or these other companies hold that, you know, now it seems like they're ready to reinvest. So mm-hmm. that's definitely a positive thing. Um, yeah, we, I guess to temper some of the optimism maybe with respect to the, the 4.1% GDP number, second quarter and third quarter for that matter, tend to be our strongest quarters. Yep. Um, so we always see a big jump from Q1 to Q2. Um, we usually see that increased production continue into Q3 before it starts to um, ease back down in Q4. So it's not unusual to see a big um, GDP number in quarter two. We've seen it in years past. We've seen it last year. You know, it, it, This is a normal uh, part of that cycle. Um, and like you said, there is some policy. I know, you know, tariffs are kind of the big talk. And there's already been some talk, you know, through um, the reporters around the country, you know, that there's, so you know, demand for soybeans is down. And, and some of the, the products that are being targeted by tariffs are, they're already feeling that. And maybe it hasn't pulled through to a national number, a national report like GDP where... I don't think it would have yet. I mean, it's one of those things that it takes a minute for that to actually occur. And I think some some of the fact that the number was so high undoubtedly could have something to do with some of the policies that were put into place and some exuberance. And the fact that a lot of those those companies, um, you know, had a lot of additional cash in the sidelines and had had that for quite some time. So 
it definitely pulled some things forward. Not saying that that's a bad thing, just saying, you know, maybe it's not, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say it's not as good as it sounds, but it, it's very good. It's an area to keep our eye on. There I, I think looking at the, you know, three months from now when we get the Q3 uh, GDP number, that mm-hmm. might be a little more telling of how some of these more recent policy um, measures have impacted our economy. Yeah, we'll see. You know, then you got the earnings reports. Some were good, some were bad. It wasn't necessarily a, a all across the board stellar situation, but it definitely wasn't an all the way across the board horrible scenario. So we'll see how that works out. But some of that could also be due to investment and growth. It's hard to say, you know. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously very optimistic. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Um, I think the Fed shares your sentiment. They, uh, today, as I said, they announced or they, they made their policy announcement from their two day August, or I guess it's July slash August meeting. But they uh, voted unanimously to keep interest rates unchanged, as we all expected. Um, so the Fed funds target rate remains at the one and three quarter to two percent range. Um, we did see a small change in the way they describe our economy. They've, they, at this meeting, they described uh, economic activity as strong versus solid. Doesn't mean much to me, but to the pundits, they will dissect the heck out of that, uh, sm- that small change in language. That'll be 30 hours of talking. <laughs> at least. At 30, least. 30 hours of talking heads talking about Until the some more more recent, more interesting story comes along. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, you probably will hear a lot about that. Um, so anyway, it what it points to, based on this description of the economic activity, what we believe is going to happen is what we've believed will happen the entire year. We, we believe that next month, the month of September, um, we will see another quarter point rate hike announced by the Fed. We also believe that in December, we will see the, another quarter point rate hike to make up a total of four for this calendar year. That's the plan, I guess. That's the expectation. Um, Though there's a bit of pushback going on on that a little bit on the political side, I guess. I don't know if that'll have an effect. It's theoretically not supposed to. Yeah. Um, but I've never seen that happen before. So. Are you talking about the president's comments? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I actually saw that today. That was a little bit surprising, but I guess surprising is the norm of this administration. Um, yeah, there was uh, a little sound bite or Twitter bite today about, um, you know, this policy tightening is, is counterproductive to um, the the strides that have been made in the past two years, I think was the the gist of the comment. Yeah. It's not the first time, but yeah, you know, just again, not trying to be political anyway, just saying that's not something that I've seen before. Kind of curious if that'll have an effect down the road, but I guess only time will tell. Yeah. I mean the, the treasury, um, well, I, the, the fed, the federal reserve board is supposed to be an independent body that, um, you know, I, I know they get appointed by the president, but there's, supposed to be it's supposed to be a nonpartisan thing board yeah. right i mean you want a variety of opinions on this board so that you can you know debate issues and come up with sound policy that that a consensus of different thinking people agree on yeah or, or compromise on i guess would be the better yeah but i'm still i'm gonna watch i'm, I'm still yeah. interested to see 
Yeah. I mean, it's funny because we have a president who has a, has made a fortune in real estate primarily. And um, a big part of that empire is based on debt. And for anyone who's ever borrowed money, um, having debt at a lower interest rate is better than having it at a higher interest rate. So usually that's the way the math works. <laughs> you know, there's that background, I guess, influencing those comments from our, well, there you our go. president. Well, and the bond yields, you know, today was the first time I've seen over 3% in quite some time. The, oh, I when I looked at it... Uh, the 10-year, that is. Yeah, the 10-year bond yield was right at 2.99 and some change. Yeah. So it's it's crept back up, very quietly crept back up to its uh, recent highs. I think the highest we saw it maybe about a month or two ago was, you know, 3.0345, something like that. And then it... You know, then all this tariff talk started to pick up steam and it moved back down to the 280 range. And now here we are sitting right around 3% again. Yeah, we're back at the 3%. And, you know, a lot of that, that kind of took off to the races a bit. I don't know, it was a week ago last Friday. But then they, there was, you know, a couple news conferences with some of the European leaders and things seemed to mellow out there. So yeah. those started to take off and kind of trickle back up. So I don't really feel like those things are resolved, but perception at the moment is that they're getting better. Right. So much of market reaction is about perception. You don't say. Um, you know, the market's trying to be forward-looking. Um, that's how the successful investors make money is by seeing three to six months into the future. Yes. And so that's the attempt here is to look at what's being talked about today and, and predict the future. Yeah, and as those things calm down, people become a bit more secure in their positions. And, you know, securities are an investment that people make when they think things are going to go bad. Mm -hmm. You know, that's they invest in, in equities when they want to make money with their money. When they're trying to keep their money, they buy securities. So when the bond yield goes up higher, it's a, definitely an indicator that people are feeling far more comfortable that things are going well. So... In, particularly with trade stuff that has a big effect usually on the, on the bond, on the bond prices. So mm -hmm. the fact that that bumped up today, you know, for the first time in some time is, is definitely an indication of positive attitude. Let me ask you this. Do you, in addition to it reflecting a positive attitude towards the direction of the economy, do you think it also um, has more or less put the tariff news behind it now or, or I kind of feel like it's definitely I don't want to say it's been taken off the board but they they're definitely more comfortable they feel like those things really aren't going to go into effect um, I know some of them have um, but they don't feel like it's going to continue to escalate that being said wait a few minutes and it might change the other direction because that's right. kind of been the play lately is you know when tariffs when the when the anxiety over the the tariff situation or a trade war starts to occur then you start to have a sell-off as you know, when we went back to 2.85 and then as things seem to calm down a little bit and people start to get the idea that, uh, that, that may not necessarily, you know, burn into a full on war. It might just be right. a skirmish is what I think uh, Mark Cuban said. <laughs> um, or I don't know, maybe it was Jamie, it was Jamie Dimon, you know, but anyway, if it, if it remains kind of a skirmish, you know, I feel like they're, they're thinking things are better, but at this point it's all perception. Like mm -hmm. I said, it keeps going back and forth and there was a few different news conferences this week that made you believe that maybe that's cooling down. And we did see, um, you know, evidence of how this, how tariffs can impact the end consumer. We saw Coca-Cola announced that they were going to be increasing the price of their soft drinks 
um, because they're delivered in cans to the grocery store and price of aluminum's going up. So they're passing that cost through to the, the consumer. Yeah, you know, I, I watched something that was somewhat interesting to me the other day. <clears throat> I guess we're going to have to catch that on the other side. Yeah, I think we're uh, we're doing a little bit of a different format here. Jim's kind of leading the charge on these commercial breaks, so because uh, we're sitting in a different studio than normal, so we are gonna gonna take a commercial break here in just a few seconds, um, and we'll be right back on it. We've got a lot more news to go through, and we're hoping you'll stick with us for more mortgage matters after this quick break. <laughs> All right, here we are. I think it worked. We did it. I think so. <laughs> it's a little different getting used to this new format. We're sitting here in the page of studio. Yeah, no, it's telling you, it seems a little quieter. I think it's more sound. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, definitely a different feel today, but we're... Uh, it's always quieter when Jason's down here. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Dan has time to talk. Don't worry <laughs> Jason's like, I don't know if I can fill the time. I'm Jason, <laughs> You can feel the time. Yeah, you do all right, <laughs> and then some. <laughs> Can't pick on him; he's not here. No, it's not him. fair. Are we going to sweep a porch? <laughs> <laughs> not fair when he can't defend himself. Yes, yes. All right. Well, one of the disadvantages of doing the uh, pre-recorded show here is that we're missing out on the last two and a half days of of news and events that could be impacting uh, business this week. Um, the first. Friday of a month is always a big news news day because that's the employment situation report. And so that's going to be happening on Friday the 3rd. Um, Friday the 3rd. So but the last few have been pretty good. I the mean, last few have been good. I did just look and see that today was the ADP employment report. So ADP is a huge payroll provider. Um, and they, every Wednesday of but you know, prior to the first Friday of the month, they provide a little peek into what private employers are are doing hiring wise, and their number came in very strong today. Um, the ADP report was expected somewhere in the one seventy three hundred and seventy three thousand jobs added was the expectation, and it came in at two hundred and nineteen thousand jobs added. So it doesn't always correlate with the um, employment situation report that'll come out on Friday from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, but it often gives us a clue. Yeah, it's usually, it usually correlates, I guess. It's not necessarily the exact same. Right. You know. Yeah, the, the big number from the government includes government job additions or subtractions as well as private employers, but we've just got a couple different data sources here that try to give us an idea of what the job um, situations looking like. As we know from the recent past job reports, they've been very strong. Employment, the unemployment rate has dipped below uh, 4% for a month or two. I think now it's at 4, 4.1% due primarily to just people re-engaging um, in the labor force. You know, people who had previously given up are now back in action. People who were on the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I expect that the employment situation for July will will be a good a good report. Um, the The big thing that I'll be looking for again is the wage growth component. Seems like that's the it's definitely the drag. Been, it's definitely been trailing, and a lot of jobs being added in in service industries and and some 
less than higher paying industries, I guess. But still, it's all positive. We're adding jobs when we were losing, you know, huge jobs for quite some time. So mm-hmm. things have definitely turned around, stabilized. But we've been adding for a number of years. Last couple reports so have been, you know, a, a lot better on some things. But, you know, <clears throat> like you're talking about the trade thing, I, I was going to tell you about this this thing I watched, right? So, and it kind of plays into the, the employment numbers. It was saying that, you know, on our end of things, like we're tax or we're uh, putting tariffs on aluminum and steel and things that are actually components of end products. Right. You know, and in retaliation, people were putting or other countries are putting um, tariffs on end products like, you know, Kentucky bourbon, which, mm-hmm. by the way, there happens to be a bottle of that sitting yeah. on this desk. I think I like this studio <laughs> better. They're um, not putting a, ta- <laughs> a, a tariff on glass. They're putting it on on an the in, actual an end bottled bourbon. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's going to be kind of odd because I'm kind of curious to see, and I don't think that, that any of the reports really break down to a specific region, but it'll be interesting to see if there's specific regions that are hit in the next couple months that may affect some of the employment numbers. Granted, not a huge you know, por- portion of the economy, some of these things, but they're going specifically after, you know, crops, specifically after things like, bourbon which that just seems like a bad idea you know to tax bourbon <laughs> I, I don't know it seems like a bad idea to me um but anyway so that'll be interesting to see you know in my opinion if, if we could get a breakdown of you know a, a different regions of the country and how these things are affecting it it would it would be interesting to sit down and try to analyze and break it apart i guess well i think it's pretty obvious and it's been discussed in the news that you know these con- these other countries who are imposing tariffs back on us, they know who the president's supporters are, and they're trying to target those people in particular um, with these tariffs. That's why you're seeing the farming community, you know, a lot of the the commodities getting oh yeah uh, targeted for tariffs and things like that. So maybe it's not that necessarily economically driven, is what you're well, saying. I mean, yes and no, but <laughs> no, it's probably more political than economic. A little reach around jab. <laughs> All right. Well, sorry about that. I just had to bring that up because I wanted to talk about that. A little bit. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, th- I think, you know, this tariff and job talk, it's kind of interesting because part of the discussion is, you know, sh- you know, targeting things like, like aluminum and steel, there's some justification that, you know, uh, those jobs have gone away and we want to bring those jobs back and but then, you know, because those are those materials are components of other products, you know, does while it may bring some some steel or aluminum jobs back, does it does it um, eliminate jobs of the producers of the end products that use those those materials? And and it the bigger question, I guess, is should we be. Is it a, a smart policy to try to hang on to these manufacturing type jobs or should we embrace where the United States has grown in this now world economy and what our role is in that economy and that maybe we need to focus more in tech or higher skill, higher education jobs. Either just even higher in product. Sure. I mean, there's definitely some reality there. I mean, there's far more people employed in industries that are affected by um, additional costs on steel and aluminum than there are people in steel and aluminum. I mean, it's it's a massive amount. I mean, it's yeah. I'd, I've actually heard the number. I can't recall it because you know my memory's not that great. But 
you know, it's 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 definitely many times over. Yes, you know, it, it's it's a much larger set of the community, and then, you know, the other portion is, you know, are we really going to bring back jobs that have been somewhat replaced by automation? that aren't necessarily, I mean, now it's, I think it's 13 to one is the last number for every 13 workers there used to be. There's now only one to produce the same amount of productivity and output. Um, so is that really going to be the same thing? Now, granted, you know, making high end products definitely always pays, Mm -hmm. you know, but I, I don't know that, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the tactic that's going after, a material that's used to produce an end product versus actually going after the final end product specifically. And you know, what, what kind of difference that's going to make it will be interesting, interesting to watch, particularly when it comes to the employment numbers. Yeah. Granted, those aren't high, you know, high employment areas, I guess a lot of people don't get me wrong. A lot of people work in farming. Sure. Know, particularly around here. Sure. But you know, steel and aluminum are relatively small industries, even though they're very, very important and very big in certain areas. They're not, you know, if you look at the entire country, employing as many people as a lot of the other industries are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and the reason we even talk about this, the reason we care when you're listening to a real estate and mortgage, you know, focused show is that it's this, this is a big component of our economy. Uh, You know, when, when the president has policy that folk that, that impacts our economy. Um, it's news and we're seeing that this news about tariffs is, is keeping rates down. I mean, rates, we saw it just a few months ago that rates really were on a steady upward trajectory. And, and as soon as tariffs became the dominant news item, we saw rates, pause and even slip a little bit, go down, which, Hey, we're in the mortgage business. I'm not going to complain about that, but yeah, it, did, it didn't hurt me or you. No, I mean, no, it, it was it, definitely good. It definitely didn't hurt anybody trying to buy a house or even that industry, even though, you know, that market seems to have slowed a little bit as well as far as real estate sales. But the reality is, you know, when those things occurred, rates went down, there was probably more houses sold and there was more money made and there was more, you know, jobs that were supported and things along those lines in that particular industry. It's just so weird that it's, it's such a, you know, one of those little finger traps where you pull on it, it tightens on both of your fingers and won't let, let a, either one of them go. Doing the little thing with my hands probably doesn't work too good on the radio <laughs> since nobody can see what I'm doing. But anyway, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing how, how intertwined everything is. Absolutely. And so it's, you know, that's why we keep bringing it up is it's something that ha- it could potentially have a huge impact on the economy. If it ends up being a skirmish and not a full on war, maybe it doesn't have a big impact and, and the economy just continues on its path and rates continue to march, uh, you know, slowly and steadily higher. But right now, the because it's relatively new, we're still seeing just all this uncertainty. We're feeling that in the economy. We're feeling that in the way money is being invested right now, which is keeping rates, I feel, a little artificially low. Um, Let's put a governor on it rising for sure. Yeah. So, we'll again, we'll keep our um, eyes on on that bit. We'll keep our eyes on the, on the job front and see how those things progress, um, especially as the third quarter ends and we start to get some of those other uh, numbers out, like GDP and things like that, see if if these things are in fact 
um, you know, helping or hurting our economy. Uh, there was a um, news item yesterday, the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Home Price Index. And this <laughs> is one of a couple of or two or three uh, home price indices that we, that we look at each month. Um, this S&P number, um, this one is based on purchase data. Um, so it's, it's a different number. The other, the other big one that we really like is the FHFA home price index. And that one is based on, uh, appraisal data. So that could be from refinance or purchase, um, loan activity where we're, where they're capturing the appraisal data and, and giving us some kind of feedback on the, you know, what direction home prices are going. This S&P one is just looking at purchases. Um, and what I see here is the year-over-year number uh, came in at 6.5%. So just a, what, a tenth down from the prior month, um, still above normal, at kind of the lower end of the consensus range, a little under expectation. Um, so six. Six point five percent. Any thoughts there? Uh, I don't know. I think it could be affected a lot by inventory. You, know, you think the, that's keeping it up above normal? Yeah, yeah, I kind of do. There's not a lot of inventory out there to see prices continue to increase, um, even though the rates are increasing. I mean, that's definitely something that's out of the ordinary. Um, so I, I'm kind of of the opinion that it's a, a supply and effect. You know. It's, it's a, a product of supply and effect, I guess, or supply and demand. My apologies. Yeah, we're, it'll be interesting when Brian gets in here later um, to get his feedback. We've, we've had a cup, you know, we're always involved with realtors talking, talking shop, talking about, you know, what buyers and sellers and are doing, what their attitudes are, what activities like. Um, and we've heard recently a little bit of, of noise that, you know, the buyers are, um, they're cautious. I mean, yes, it's, it's still kind of a, it's a very competitive market for something that's, you know, a desire, a well laid out home kept in good condition. that's priced well, it's competitive, but buyers aren't rushing in and in a frenzy and we'll just make any offer on any home. That's not the environment we're in. We've got a, we've got a careful buyer, but a ready to act you know, pre-qualified, ready to go, ready to go buyer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, undoubtedly, I, I don't think that it, it's having, I, I guess I don't think that supply and demand is having as large of an effect as it was, you know, a handful of months ago. And I think I definitely feel that people are being a bit more cautious and that price, like you said, prices are going up a little bit slower. People rates are going up. People starting to, you know, starting to consider things a bit more thoroughly. Um, yeah, it all makes sense. I guess it all kind of intertwines again. Yeah, um, I I think it's in line with my expectations. You know, we're I wouldn't expect it overnight to change significantly. We still have an inventory shortage. We still have strong demand. Um, you know, while so I I think it it makes sense that we're still seeing above average appreciation. It, it has a lot to just do with that supply demand issue. But I do see it slowing. And I think that just has to do with affordability. It's totally affordability. I mean, we in, until we see the wage component of the employment report start to jump up, 
we're going to continue to see uh, an affordability strain here, which is probably going to, we'll probably start to see that home price, the, the various home price indices start to go back down to a normal range. I don't know if that's going to be this year or next year or two years from now, but I, I mean, we're seeing it inch that way. Yeah, you know, and, and everything cycles, and I definitely feel like that's coming. Like that's coming, you know, and the, they're starting to build more houses too. So people are starting to get a little bit more, you know, what I, for a while there you have a lot of people that are looking for a specific house or they're looking for a house in, you know, a certain price range. Mm-hmm. And those weren't really the ones that were around. Some of the ones were at a higher price range. There's a lot of upper end stuff on the market there for a minute. A lot of the the lower end, the medium end stuff was, you know, just not really available. Yeah, that's that's been a big problem. The the sub five hundred thousand dollar home in California is a tough thing to find, um, especially around here. I saw Rigetti Ranch is breaking ground on the first phase of their. I think it was going to be a hundred and thirty some units. They're breaking ground on thirty three units, starting in the upper seven hundred thousands. Yeah, you get those little those little <laughs> postcard posts that look like a shack with a dog on it. Million dollar house in California. <laughs> uh, the reality of of our housing economy. All right, here we are. We got to step out for another commercial break. We will be right back with more mortgage matters. Please stick with us. All right, welcome back. We are about. 10 or so minutes away from being joined by Brian Thorndike, the uh, realtor with Remax Parkside up in Paso Robles, and we're excited to have him on the show and uh, talk a little real estate with him. Um, earlier this week, we saw a pending home sales number come out. Um, pending home sales are those properties that are uh, listed for sale that have gone um gone pending but have not yet closed so it's a sign of future closings it's a it's a leading indicator we keep our eye on and that that pending home sales actually was a pretty pretty strong number at the upper end of the uh expected range here it it was up nearly one percent um from the prior month so that's good to see um that you know, in this environment that we just talked about, where the inventory strained, that we're seeing more homes go into contract. Um, it, you know, again, this is something that that we're kind of living real time, but in hindsight, we'll have a better a better view of of what happened and why. Um, it could be that maybe things aren't moving as quickly. Maybe that discerning buyer is waiting for a a price decline on a listing or something. And, you know, here nearing the end, I guess, I guess this is right in the middle. Feels like school's just a couple of weeks away. So I guess I'll stick with it. We're nearing the end of the summer home buying season. Yes. And, um, and perhaps it's just, you know, people trying to make some moves and, and get it done. Could be, could be, <laughs> you know, and it is. It, it, so they always say that real estate is, uh, you know, it's, it's all local. And then that definitely is the case as well. I'd, it, it'd be, you know, interesting to break it down by different area. Um, I know that up in, uh, in Paso that, you know, things are still moving. There are a few price adjustments, price, you know, lowering the prices, but you know, nothing staggering by any means. Yeah. It's Paso's definitely a market where there's still, 
affordable housing. Affordable being a relative word. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that that's undoubtedly relative. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can see that there'd be more activity there. Um, but it'll just be something to keep our eye on. I, I think, um, you know, all this stuff is so intertwined and I'm, I'm just so curious. You know, I mentioned the word slack earlier when I, when talking about the employment situation and that's that, that it, the unemployment rate would indicate that we're at full employment, but the, the lack of wage growth would indicate that there's still some room to, to, you know, reach full employment where then people are able to get higher wages rather than just go from unemployed to employed. And I think it's that change that's really going to start to, we're going to start to see some noticeable impact in the housing market. Yeah, like you said, though, everybody's a lot smarter after the fact, in hindsight, I guess, than mm-hmm. looking forward. But my guess would be this. My guess that in some of the more skilled areas, you're going to start to see people having to compete for labor. You know, So you're going to start to see some, some raising of wages in, in areas where it requires a lot of different education or specifics, you know, job specifics. Um, so I think some of the higher higher earners are going to start to earn more. I think you'll see a little bit of a bump in that in the next couple of months. But I guess we will see if I'm right or wrong. And uh, since this is being recorded and everybody will have it on record, <laughs> they'll be able to call me out on it if I'm incorrect. But it's that's right. my guess. We're, if anyone's ever listened to a year-end show and we make our uh, our New Year's predictions, you'll know that we're we're wrong probably more often than we're right. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> oh, it's an educated so, guess. A little more credit uh, than that, Dan. Come on, <laughs> yeah, he, he might be talking just for himself. I, I'm pretty sure I'm right more than wrong. Always. Well, yeah, unless you talk to my wife, and then maybe not. Or your kids. But anyway. yeah, there you go. There Let's you see. Go. I'm not sure when the guys recorded the show last week, um, so I don't know exactly what they covered or not. Like I said, I was out of the area. We were actually a rerun last week. Oh, okay. Well, then I know they didn't talk about new home sales that were reported last week. And you were here because it was a rerun. (laughs) (laughs) I I know they they didn't talk about this then. Uh, We saw new home sales take a big dip um, in this last report. This is a June reading of new home sales. They fell 5.3% to a 631,000 annualized rate, a little below expectations. Um, and I think, you know, nothing other than just a little bit of the volatility you see in that number from month to month. Uh, new home sales rely largely on there being new homes for sale. And those things come out in phases, as we just talked about with that Rigetti Ranch, um, you know, phase that's breaking ground. Getting released or yeah. just starting. So, you know, that's it's a tough one to read too much into. I think the bigger deal is just, you know... Th- this need for units to help with the supply demand issue. And when you're building at an annualized rate of 630,000, that's a little below what's necessary to keep up with, with demand. Um, let alone the, that's the years of not building. Yeah. That's not keeping up with the population growth. And then you've got to add on top of that, the fact that there were many years, like you said, where, you know, there definitely wasn't a lot of growth or a lot of building going on. So, you know, it's it's interesting stuff all around. You know, I think we're seeing housing numbers that from month to month they they fluctuate a little bit. Um, all in all, has a, I, I think any disappointment in the housing related numbers has to do with the inventory shortage. Um, 
but other parts of the economy all seem to be growing um, and, and moving in a positive direction, whether it's as fast as we want it, you know, that's up for debate, um, whether, you know, but all in all, things are, are generally moving in a positive direction. And the big news, as we heard today, is that the Fed is, is viewing this as a strong economy, um, which gives them the confidence to just continue with their policy going forward. So we expect that we'll see the quarter point bump. We'll probably start to see rates as we, I mean, we already have this week, but we'll probably start to see rates um, move a little higher the closer we get to that September meeting. Um, and, and then again in December, we'll probably go through the same exercise here. So by the end of the year, I expect to see rates you know, somewhere in the mid 5% range on a 30-year fixed mortgage which again is below the historical norm for a mortgage, a 30-year fixed mortgage rate. Historically, they're between 6 and 8%. And uh, I can remember not too far back when they were higher than that and they weren't 30-year fixed. <laughs> so, um, you know, relatively speaking, it feels like a big increase in rates, but... When did you say that was going to be by? By the end of the year. By the end of the year. Okay, so everybody's got to note that. So we, we've got to know <laughs> if he's right or wrong. It'll be another prediction that I will get you know, wrong. Gotta, and I, I'm okay with that. We've got to call him to the mat on that. <laughs> I'm okay with being wrong. But I will say this. And the market kind of responded a little mixed. I mean, the bond yields definitely uh, you know, went up, which is a sign of um, you know, expectation that things are going to go well. The stock market was a little bit down. So we'll see. I kind of expect some volatility. All right, we're getting forced out into that top of the hour break. Um, we have an exciting next hour for you. We're going to be joined by Brian Thorndike with Remax Parkside, and we'll talk more real estate. So I hope you stick with us. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters after this commercial break. And let me remind you that you can't call in today because it is a pre-record. So we're just going to hope that we can anticipate and ask all of your questions for you. All right, we'll see you after the break. All right, here we go. We're back. Sure, we're just finishing up some ACDC bed or something here. Uh, <laughs> back in black. A little back in black action. <laughs> you're, now you're going to have to pay black yeah. in black when you reintroduce this. <laughs> I've got confidence in Jim. He's going to get the right music for the occasion. All right, well, we're back, and we're joined now in the studio for the next hour by Brian Thorndike of Remax Parkside up in Paso Robles. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks Appreciate for, it. Thanks for joining us here. Um, we, uh, we're always excited to get different people in on the show and get different perspectives of what's, what's going on out there in real estate because every community is so different, and I feel... I always feel like San Luis Obispo County is especially that way just because of the differences in geography and weather that I'm feeling today as I've gone from Morro Bay to Atascadero to San Luis Obispo and I'm getting it all. Um, so it's it's nice to get 
to get new faces and new perspectives in uh, in here with us. So thanks for joining us. Oh, you bet. I appreciate the chance to do it. Um, I always like to start with a, a guest that's new to our show just to get a little background and understand how you got into this uh, wild industry of real estate and um, you know how you, how you came to the community. Are you, are you born and raised here or just let our listeners know a little bit about you? Uh, you bet. Um, I've been uh, selling real estate for about 28 years and uh, licensed in 1990. Uh, it was shortly after high school, so I did a small stint there in college after I graduated from Paso Robles High School, but fifth generation for the area, uh, raising our kids here, and uh, no plans of going anywhere. So, But after I did college for a little bit, came back to Paso and tried to figure out a good way of uh, uh, just getting a new career going, and uh, didn't want to take over the family business, which was Wayside Liquor Store in Creston, <laughs> so wanted to do something different. So mom brought the idea up, and I thought, wow, that was great, so... Uh, studied for it, took the test, uh, passed the ex- uh, state exam, and then traveled uh, doing real estate seminars for a company down in Oceanside, and then did that for about two years, and then came back, started selling real estate in Paso. Huh. So Yeah, they, they have a little bit of a different gig, their team. I mean, they don't have, well, I don't know if they do anymore, but they had, used to have desks where you stood, right? Yeah, we still, s- we still have those power and, desks. Yeah, yeah their, their team's called Real Team 360, and you know, they definitely have uh, have their own vibe. I think a lot of that came from the company you were touring with that you learned some of that stuff yeah. from, or is that just back, your deal? Well, back then, it was the thing to do is to team up into, uh, uh, you know, uh, trying to team up with other agents that may have uh, different uh, strong suits, and you kind of balance each other out and provide sense. more service for your client for the same fee. And uh, so that was the thing to do. So uh, Scott Erkey and myself, uh, we went to high school together. Uh, graduated a year apart, but um, and then uh, but we knew each other in real estate. So in 1992, uh, we started uh, Real Team 360. So uh, so and, which one's older? Um, yeah, he is. You know, if, if I remember, quite, quite a bit older. You know, quite a bit the whole year, <laughs> yeah, like uh, like eleven months or something. Yeah, you know, he, he looks he looks so much <laughs> older really since older. he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> you know, at all. That's wow. eleven days actually. <laughs> <laughs> eleven days. Yeah. I don't let him forget it. So. There you go. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, like your family, like you said, fifth generation, something to do with the uh, lighthouse and the yeah, Thorndikes are kind of uh, famous up yeah. in up in the North yeah. County. They've Infamous. been around quite a while. Oh, yeah, well, there's some of that too. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to stories. Yeah, 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 I wasn't going to bring any of that up. I mean, I want to mention that. No. But uh, no, it's uh, uh, my great great grandfather was the first lighthouse keeper at uh, Peters Blanca, so the first long term, you know, the permanent, I should say. Uh, lighthouse keeper so uh that uh, went from there to uh cattle ranching on santa rosa creek uh, then to arbor road and live oak and finally back into paso so we wow. slowly transitioned over to paso and then went in the liquor store business in the early 60s so uh, when my parents or excuse me grandparents built it back in the 60s wayside wayside Very still cool. standing today yeah so you've seen a lot of change in oh, your yeah big change where you know as a kid I could remember maybe about seven thousand people and so obviously right now inside city limits we're a little over thirty thousand wow and obviously all the unincorporated areas have grown as well so all big, the wineries all the agriculture going on yeah big change so I remember as a kid it would be like a ghost town after <laughs> six p.m. so you had three restaurants to choose from <laughs> <laughs> and you better get there early yeah that's right. <laughs> Was one of them Boosies? <laughs> well, that, yeah, I guess as a kid, I didn't go there too often. But <laughs> <laughs> I remember so. when I first moved here, even not anywhere near as long as him, 
They'd have a sign on the door. If the lights are on, we're here. If not, yeah, go home. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. See you next time. See you next time. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've been in real estate for 28 years, is that yeah. right? Um, and and you and Scott have been a team the entire time? Well, since 1992. Since 1992. So, 1992. majority of it. So, okay. proven record. Uh, you know, we believe our success of our team has obviously just proven that the, uh, the amount of time that we've been doing this and... With it, uh, you know, we always believe that one plus one doesn't equal two. It equals three or four just by being able to pull our resources together, whether it be more advertising, marketing, promoting. Um, you know, we have a um, part-time uh, marketing person that just does our social media and uh, advertising. And then uh, we have a full-time uh, assistant uh, office manager for us that does all transactional management and all the, the essential essential parts about having a successful team. So that's uh, great. So it's been, it's been a great success. So I subscribe wholeheartedly to the, the team concept and how you put those couple heads together and it's much more than the, the sum of its parts. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that's a great, a great strategy. You guys do a great job with your marketing. I see you everywhere. Um, I see you in the newspaper. See, you're very involved in in the community. I see you guys. You're involved with the Big Brothers Big Sisters in, in yeah, Slow County as well, too, right? Been doing that for many years now, and uh, just a great group of other agents in the in the uh, in the county that do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm not even sure how many years, but quite a few. And then every transaction, every closing portion of it goes to big brothers and big sisters as well as up with kids that's a great program um how does the dynamic work between you and scott is one of you the buyer's agent and one of you work more with with sellers or no each of us has our own sellers and buyers okay. you know we've always had somewhat of a different sphere of influence and you know our clients uh, it's the, the benefit of the team is whether i'm gone for five seconds or five minutes five days uh, then he takes the ball and runs with it because uh, he knows the story, knows the history of the client and where the escrow is at or where uh, which properties they've looked at, et cetera. So, you know, we're just constant communication. So when a client needs help, there's no, well, I'll try to find another agent for you while he's out. Right. It doesn't happen. So between Emily, um, you know, and Scott, there's, um, you know, it's addressed, taken care of as quickly as possible. So our clients are always, always helped out. Great. You got to check out their building too. They got the, they built a sweet building on uh, Vine Street, right? Yeah. Um, oh man. So a couple of years back, we finished construction of uh, twelve thirteen Vine. So that's where the team of or our home, I guess, uh, for our team, and we do lease out other uh, spaces to other agents. So uh, we believe that we have the best of all worlds, and so we have a kind of a boutique style uh, business. Uh, but we have the power of Remax, and so we, you know, with seventy five agents strong in the North County for Remax Parkside Real Estate. We have such a great uh, group, uh, which is in the main office on 12th. We're only a couple blocks away. So we just have the, uh, the affiliation with that and the knowledge and experience of, uh, of that group. And uh, when it comes to listing and selling our properties, obviously a major benefit. So I feel like you're touching on something that I don't know that the average person really understands that much. I mean, you know, there's a lot of properties listed for sale. I mean, can't any realtor show me any property? What's the advantage of working with someone who's associated with Remax as opposed to associated with any other mom and pop brand or something like that? Are you speaking of a buyer seller or both? It, both, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, for a seller, you know, just being um, uh, being represented by such a large company, obviously with that comes a 
uh, you know, uh, buyers of each of those agents. Uh, the knowledge and the experience that uh, that Remax has that that we have is um, I can't even I, mean, it, I should have the total of how many hundreds of years of experience that we have in that <laughs> office. Uh, I mean, we have agents uh, well over 30, 35 years. Uh, we just had one uh, retire, I believe, in about 40 years, Roberta Barrett. So, I mean, there's just just a huge amount of knowledge and experience. So when it comes to just representing a client's needs, uh, whether it be buying or selling, it's, it's such a big part of it. Um, so, you know, obviously 28 years, I don't uh, pretend to know everything, but uh, we know quite a bit. And uh, But if there's time of need when it comes to uh, determining uh, whether it's uh, you know tax advantages or whether it's uh, any experience uh, with uh, uh, vineyards and uh, anything specific uh, 1031 exchanges and you know we've done a lot of those but it's always great to talk to a Tim Bryan or a Pete Dakin or a Wade Taylor the, the one that's been in the business for years and being able to get a different perspective and then being able to incorporate that into helping your client out so and everybody helps everybody. There's no questions asked. So it's a great, uh, great group of people always helping each other. So uh, major benefits when it comes to knowledge and experience. And because uh, there's a hurdle, uh, there's a fire, whatever you want to call it in real estate, every once in a while in a transaction and representing a client, you know, it doesn't always go smooth. So when something comes up, how you address it, how you work on it, how you resolve it uh, has a big part of just having the background and the experience of it. Yeah, we, we experienced very similar challenges in the mortgage side. It'd be so easy if everybody, you know, had a salaried job and was buying the, the yeah. same tracked home with the same amenities. Everyone's job in this business would be so much easier. But the reality is every house is unique. Every buyer and seller are unique. And you encounter unique circumstances on on every deal. And, and it takes that experience, whether it's your personal experience or someone else you can lean on to help solve some problems. So I, I can see how that network of, of people within your office can really help that. Yeah, most definitely. And even when it comes to a buyer, um, agents talk just because we see each other every day. And uh, we know of properties that are coming up, but may have not hit the market as of yet. And uh, just having the knowledge of things that are just happening. And uh, we have so many agents within our office that are, you know, involved in the county politics or city. And so and just having the knowledge of that too, because they're, they share it with us every week. Mm-hmm. And uh, so great, great knowledge in that front as well. Yeah, it's a big team of people. They definitely pull together and they share the information. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, there was a big buzz there right in my ear. It kind of threw me off. What's going on over there, Jim? Yeah, yeah. We took his microphone away, so now we should just sit here and make <laughs> fun of him for a little bit. Us. And uh, uh, when, it, uh, when we were talking about buyers, too, um, and, and the, the area that we represent is North County mainly, and so having the knowledge and the years of experience of North County, once a buyer comes in and everybody, as you mentioned, have u- unique circumstances, unique needs, wants, and so being able to know that marketplace inside now knowing the inventory uh, knowing what you can get for what whether it's shandon san miguel heritage ranch paso templeton atascadero creston etc so uh, so when somebody comes in you pretty much you know just our team being able to just work on it quickly and know what we're doing and and being as specific as possible not wasting their time or at least minimizing any waste uh, being able to just get to the point and show them exactly what they're looking for you 
um, alluded to something where, you know, with that network of agents, you're able to, you know, you might have access to, to properties that haven't yet hit the market or knowledge of properties. Um, you know, I know that sometimes I, as a seller, I think you always want maximum exposure, right? You always want as many people interested or at least checking out your property as possible so that you can get the maximum return, best, you know, best terms, best offer. Um, sometimes though you hear about these deals that never hit market and they transact the, the pocket listing. Is that a big part of today's market? Um, it's it, definitely in the commercial industrial, you know, the business world, definitely a big part of it. Uh, as far as the residential, not so much. Um, yes, a little bit. Um, um, you know, yes, you may know of it days before, a week before, um, something that's up and coming, you know it's going to happen. Uh, whether it's a new development that they're going through the process right now of getting their public report. So you just have knowledge of just something up and coming. So it may not be immediate, but you know that they possibly, you know, that client would have an interest in it. So um, so maybe not as much in the residential side of it, but uh, but it, you know, being that many agents that many clients that they're representing, you know, it, it, you're often going to at least hear about it. And uh, so then it does lead to, you know, some more doors opened. Yeah, for, just a little for, bit of a competitive a advantage. Yeah, but for most sellers, you're exactly right. Hitting the MLS, being exposed properly, obviously, and uh, being able to maximize it. So if they can get out to hundreds and thousands of people through the internet, through the different websites and uh, getting exposed through what we call portal systems through the multiple listing service, hitting all the agents through hot sheets or what we call We used to call hot sheets. <laughs> so <laughs> probably dated myself a little bit on that one, but, um, uh, but anyway, just uh, did the exposure of it definitely increased the chances of multiple offers. Um, and so that's the, what we always try to strive for, for the sellers anyway. Yeah, definitely will increase the price. If you have multiple <laughs> offers, maybe it's your microphone. Uh, you mentioned getting stuff out there in all these different forms on the website. I was looking at your website here, Real Team Three Sixty, Real Team Three Six Zero dot com. It's a great website. I I am sure that I just got here, but I'm sure that oh yeah, there we go. Search listings. You can find all the the properties through uh, what a backdoor to the MLS on your website. Yeah, uh, most definitely. So not only can you view our inventory, but you can also uh, go through our site to uh, what we call an IDX user. So we download all the information through uh, or from the multiple listing service. So you can search all properties through our Real Team 360 uh, website. And it's all updated real time. If something's pending, it'll show pending or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, most definitely. Um, and you were sharing with me the, you know, one of the neat things about Paso Robles is just the variety of property that's available up there. Well, it's definitely a benefit of North County and I'm sure South County and others that I'm not all that familiar with have it as well, but um, I can speak for Nor North County and that is just the variety. Um, whether it's a first time buyer having a better chance in North County as far as affordability, even though that the values have gone up everywhere, um, we're still in comparisons to San Luis Obispo, coastal communities, still getting a little more bang for your buck. We get a lot of people that commute to work, so whether it's the different prison systems from Navinel to um, to uh, 
what's the uh, Solida? Solida, that's the one. Yeah, I was afraid. CMC. To talk. <laughs> <laughs> so the list goes on of you know counting state jobs um, that the, they'll travel to, but they they come to Paso for obviously quality life. And I say Paso, but that's North County in general, and um, and that's the the area that we work. But um, it's uh, it's it, you get it in a you know, I brought some examples of it that we can talk about and share depending on how much time we have. But there's everything from somebody wants to bring a manufactured home to a one-acre parcel in the country and live uh, live the country life. They can buy a parcel for, you know, we have one listed for 69000 and on paved road. And so about a 20-minute uh, commute time. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, different options out there as far as, you know, your entry-level three-bedroom, two-bath with a two-car garage. You may be Shandon San Miguel on the outskirts, Heritage Ranch, $350,000. Well, once you get into town, then obviously those numbers will go up to $425,000, But uh, in some cases, you can still stay in the threes, you know, for a residential in-town Paso, depending on condition and amenities. But, of course, and then the sky's the limit as far as what else we have. But there's two bedrooms. If somebody likes downtown, likes that walk to everything, a lot of different options and choices out there. That's great. And that price, the, the entry-level price point in Paso still makes it possible to um, use some of the low-down financing options. USDA is a, a great way to get into a home for a first-time buyer in the Paso Robles or, or really anywhere in the North County. Um, if you can find something in that 400 or less, that's the ideal price point where you can get in with zero down. Um, there's other loan programs as well that can help with that. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, sometimes uh, we get into older or some uh, um, maybe the, the uh, you know, VA and uh, FHA, they may scrutinize condition of property a little bit more. And so we run into that a little bit where maybe it's a little too much of a fixer upper. Mm-hmm. But uh, we but we definitely have options for USDA, FHA, VA, as you made mention. So we still have a lot of properties that can fit the bill for that uh, where other communities may not. Um, we're going to have to take a break here in just about a minute. Can you, uh, we'll probably do this a couple times during the show. Can you share your contact info with our listeners? So in case they want to get a hold of you and oh, most definitely uh, myself, Brian Thorndike, Scott Erke at real team 360 805-238-1555 or visit us at realteam360.com. Great. It's a great website. Um, they do a, they do a great job getting themselves out there and exposed um, in the all over the county. Uh, really, I've you know obviously been familiar with you prior to meeting you today. Um, so uh, their website again is realteam360.com. Um, we're getting forced out here into the break, so we will be back with more mortgage matters. Stick around. Right, here we are. We're back. Listening to Mortgage Matters. We're not quite live, as we mentioned earlier in the show. We're uh, we're a few days in the past. So if you're calling in, we're not ignoring. <laughs> right. We'll uh, we'll try it's to get back here. in here as soon as we can and do a live show. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to bring you new content in a pre-recorded version here, like we're doing today. Um, we're joined by Brian Thorndike. He's with Real Team 360, a uh, a division, a team of Remax Parkside up in Paso Robles. And uh, we're just having a, a good conversation, learning a little bit about your uh, your background in the in the community. You've been here for a long time. 
uh, been in the real estate industry for nearly 30 years. And um, just talking about the diversity of the, the North County real estate market, how there's a little bit of everything for, for everyone. You've got the ranchette, you've got the entry-level home, uh, got got the great weather, the great quality of life. You're right next door to the fair when that's in town. Got some beautiful <laughs> large properties up yeah. there as well. Um, so we're, uh, we're enjoying the conversation here. We wanted to shift gears just a little bit um, and talk a little bit more about some of the, the community stuff that you're involved in. There's an event coming up on Saturday. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, this Saturday is Up With Kids, uh, and this will be our 17th year with Up With Kids. It's amazing how time flies. Uh, and so we'll be, uh, this Saturday, we're taking a, uh, approximately 145 kids shopping uh, for back to school. And so we go through a, about six months of an application process because you have to be nominated by other nonprofits locally. And so we just try to focus on the real need of, you know, those families that need it. And so uh, kids that are between the age of 5 and 12, uh, they're able to, we, we take them uh, shopping at Target at uh, 5 a.m., and uh, so we're out of Target before the store opens at uh, at uh, at eight, and so uh, we take in about uh, well, we have about 200 volunteers signed up. So there's what we call chaperones. Those chaperones take a child shopping. So mom and dad um, get to stay outside or get to sleep in one or the other, and uh, so we take the child shopping, and it's one-on-one -on -one time with a kid, which is great. Spend about $125 on them as far as what they need, as far as clothes, shoes. Uh, Target also donates uh, school supplies, as some school supplies as well as uh, socks. And then uh, we also give uh, the kids a uh, Remax hot air balloon ride. Oh, cool. And so uh, for most of them, some are, are slightly intimidated by it, <laughs> which well. it can be at uh, 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a tethered ride. We give them uh, that. They get uh, picked excuse me, uh, pictures with uh, the police department as well as the fire department locally. We give them breakfast in the morning and then a big uh, backpack full of school supplies uh, ready for the big day. It's a great program. Very cool. Great program. A lot of people, yeah. you know, go down and volunteer for this. It's a big oh. event every single year. Yeah. Not that I need a chaperone, but I really want to ride in the, the balloon. <laughs> yeah. So you, you <laughs> be 12 years old again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there a height limit or an age limit on that? Yeah, you just, a weight limit. Yeah. <laughs> no, that but, is a very but, cool program. But if you sign up as a helper for the balloon, you just happen to slide in, you know, in one of those oh, rides. You, know, okay. you just kind of, you just hop, you know, hop in and, you know, pretend not to be seen. But Yeah, this, this, this year I can't do it. I'm going to be in Tennessee. But next mm -hmm. year I'm definitely volunteering as the helper for the balloon ride because that just sounds like a lot of fun. This well, is very cool. If you go to upwithkids.org, um, obviously when this uh, when this is running, it's on Saturday, and this will be right after our event. But we do it every year, so uh, definitely stay in contact with our website, upwith uh, upwithkids.org, and uh, we do um, uh, we try to fundraise throughout the year because not only do we do this, but we also do scholarships uh, for uh, Liberty and uh, some you know. Uh, the uh, different uh, different schools within the North County, and so uh, not so much the the high school, but continuing education and uh, kids that are going off to JCs may not be going to a four year, maybe going to a trade school instead. So uh, we we raise money throughout the year for that as well. So up with kids definitely helps local kids, whether it's be back to school or through the uh, scholarship program for both 
um, past Robles, or all three, past Robles, Templeton, and Atascadero. And if people are interested, they can just go to the website. To Definitely go to the website. Or... And um, uh, the the website is mostly designed for the actual event itself. And okay. uh, so those that, that want to, you know, sign up for next year still can do that. And, um, and, but throughout the year, we are looking for donations as, and as we get closer to, it's all, it's always towards, you know, I'd say the beginning of August, right before school starts. So, uh, we start about six months prior, uh, going through the application, but we also collect, uh, food supplies. Um, so because we give bags of, uh, um, food to, uh, the, uh, the families, mom and dad, we also give backpacks to the older kids that maybe be over 12 that are in the same family, give them school supplies as backpacks. So uh, definitely, you know, we can be collecting stuff throughout the year for the event as well as collecting money. And then the event itself, obviously, you can sign up to actually help that day as a helper or what we call a chaperone where you're one-on-one with a kid. Gotcha. But if somebody wants to, you know, donate or something like that, they can find out information on where to do that on the website or do they call your office? Uh, they can definitely call me or Elisa, uh, office manager, either okay. one of us. Uh, it, my number, again, is 805-238-1555 or the cell, 805-391-0511. And uh, we can definitely work that out. Uh, so donations are year-round, and uh, uh, all the money goes back to the kids. So nothing that we keep, of course. So. Is there anything that you need on a yearly basis? Do you need more volunteers? Do you need, I mean, obviously donations, there's no limit there, but, um, you know, do do you need more of the volunteer help and stuff like that? Or what is it that the people could? Yeah, we're, uh, the the scholarship program is is still new to us. So so we try to get that, you know, uh, because there's kids that are, you know, that we'd love to help. We just don't have the, the means to financially. So if somebody's looking that they they love the idea to help a, a child that may um, uh, may be going uh, through a different route instead of a four year, but um, whether they do a two year or a trade school and so forth, uh, and they want to give opportunity to to kids, they can definitely uh, go through us as a conduit, and uh, we can uh, you know apply that uh, uh, those funds to a scholarship program. When it comes to up with kids, the event itself. Um, you know, the volunteers pretty much just that one day. There's no real volunteer time during other than, you know, collecting, gro- you know, groceries, um, you know, maybe six months prior. Uh, those that obviously can be kept, peanut butter and tuna and, and uh, rice and things like that. So you can definitely help us months in advance. Uh, and you can also join our committee, you know, so we don't have a formal committee you know, as far as president, vice president, et cetera. So, but we have a committee of volunteers that get together about six months prior. And if you have an interest in being on that committee, we'd love your help. And so that's another way of giving back. That's great. And this is your 17th year? 17th year. So that's awesome. As Will mentioned, we, we have some great volunteers and they come back every year because it's such an exciting time to see these kids. I mean, they're, they're walking out of Target. And I mean, we have the past Rebels cheerleaders there. You know, know, yelling and screaming (laughs) as the kids are coming out, and you could just see the smiles on their face, and it's it's definitely worth it because they're just in. I mean, they got four or five bags and a backpack and shoes, and I mean, they just they can't carry it all. Yeah, uh, so just they're on cloud nine. So that's incredible. Just being a part of that, especially for those shopper owns. I mean, they're they're one on one with them for a couple of hours, and 
how great it is to get to know that kid and uh, yeah just it's all about them it's not about you know i mean i don't mean this uh, negatively or anything and it's not about you know what happened yesterday or the months ago or um it's not about other family members it's about them and it's all about them so it's uh it's it's great to see uh, their their smiles and uh, it takes them a little bit to warm up you know <laughs> that yeah. you know little you know maybe a donut and uh, a little <laughs> bit of sugar and um, at 5:30 it takes me a long yeah. time to warm up <laughs> yeah we have coffee there for volunteers so that's a must but uh, it's just a, a great event so i mean our volunteers that come back every year and in the new volunteers that are coming in the years to come uh, we really appreciate it we anticipate this event to just keep going and keep going so target's been great to work with and uh, we just uh, really appreciate everybody we have a long list which i should have brought today but a long list of people that have donated throughout the year for us whether it be you know haircuts uh, for the kids or dental supplies for the kids or financial you know there are many many uh local businesses that have sponsored up to 10 15 kids that's great so, um, that's, it's a very it's a very large yeah. event it's very well known it's they, they put a they do a really good job putting that together yeah. and if you Thank uh you. If you're interested in, in donating or helping with those things, make sure you contact Brian or go onto the website. Um, it's something that's been going on a long time, and it does a lot of good. Yeah, upwithkids.org is the website. It's great to see um, you're so active in the community and helping families and you know, just giving those kids the right start to the school year that they need so they don't have to worry about whether they have all the stuff they need. They can worry about what they're learning and, and uh, just all the other the boost aspect yeah it gives them that confidence to go and have a great school year yep. so it's a good thing I, i'm really that's great to see most definitely and then just the, the group of remax uh or the agents at remax parkside I and mean, there's so many people there that have years and years within the community and uh, we were just talking during the break about uh, remax being a major sponsor at the past rebels mid-state fair and uh, and giving back to the community um, uh, so they did the luncheon for the livestock market and uh, so that was a big big huge success uh, we uh, uh, lost one of our agents this year uh -oh. <laughs> that's okay <laughs> sorry about that and uh, so they ma uh, raised some major funds for his, uh, his on his uh, on behalf down at the fair it's great wow yeah he he will definitely be missed Wow, it sounds like a great group that you're uh, that you're working with on this and on on some of these other um, community involvement things. I I know earlier we mentioned the uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters where you donate a little bit from each transaction, um, which is another great way to get involved in local kids' lives. Um, it's really cool that you're doing all these different things. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, and and I'm sure many people see it uh, in the in the local newspapers, the the large group of uh, agents in the in the county that do that, and so there's a there's a big group, and we love being one of them. Yeah, but there's uh, a huge um, effort uh, on uh, on uh, of uh, local uh, real estate agents and lenders that uh, give back uh, to that group, and mm. so I'm, you know, shout out to them as far as the the great success for the realtor circle. I think that's what they call it yeah yeah and uh here here locally it's it's been a, a huge success we actually them. got inspired by that realtor circle and one of our loan officers uh joined the big brothers big sisters board and started a lender's version of there the same go. thing so um you know this 
this isn't just our, this is open to any lender and any realtor um, in the local community. If you guys want to get involved in this uh, realtor circle and lender circle opportunity with big brothers, big sisters, it's available to you. And it's, it's a great way to give back to, to the community and to the, the children um, here in the community that, that just need a little bit more. Um, and, and so it's just, it's a great way to get involved. It's a, it's a really good thing. And so again, glad, yeah. glad to see the, all the different ways that, that you are involved in the community. Well, thank you. Yep. Uh, like I said, the Thorndikes are legends. They've been around <laughs> for quite some time. They're definitely part of the North County, uh, the North County tale. Um, yeah, it sounds like you're, uh, Infamous was the word, right? <laughs> <laughs> was it notorious or infamous? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. It was, it was one Depends of Depends on who you ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Well, you know, after all that, uh, back into real estate a little well, let's bit. Let's do huh? it. So yeah. what do you think of these new developments that are going to go up in Basso? Well, the, uh, you know, obviously uh, there's many thoughts and opinions about it. And, uh, you know, uh, as a local boy, I, I, I do have some mixed feelings, obviously. Just I would cause, think so. You know, because I... I I do miss, you know, in, in raising my kids, you know, miss the days of the, the small town atmosphere. And I mean, we're still considered a small town and I know the city council and, and uh, staff have been doing everything they can to try to hold on to that as well as Main Street, Chamber of Commerce, everybody. And so there's that balance, but it's a tough balance to, it's a tough balance to, to keep. you know, to, to keep. And so I know that's everybody, you know, on everybody's mind of, of trying to not lose our identity or not lose that, uh, that feeling that that everybody before us, uh, you know, have always enjoyed. So raising kids here and, and hoping, you know, for the grandkids down the road, not, yeah. not immediate. <laughs> so, but you know, that love to think that, you know, the, the generations can remain and that's, that's a little tough. And, uh, but you know, but housing is a big part of it, not only jobs, but housing. So I do believe that annexation is, is necessary. I believe that these new developments that uh, are being planned, uh, Olson Beachwood, um, yep. the, um, uh, Herod's development, you know, these are all, I think, you know, not only state required or mandated, you know, and that's always tough to where you balance that. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of concerns, obviously, for you know, when it comes to utilities and traffic and, and schools uh, and, and schools and recreation and, and the list goes on. So I know there's systems in place for that. Yeah. You know, development impact fees and so forth. And uh, I mean, the list goes on of things that can be discussed and talked about. And, uh, but there's that balance and, uh, you know, I, I'm just hopeful then, you know, the city council and the, the mayor and everybody is, you know, they guide us in the correct they, yeah, direction. And, and I believe they will, but it, it's a tough one for all of them to, to try to find that balance. And, uh, because we've, we've, we've needed, you know, to provide, um, housing and uh, we've been lacking and been behind with that. Um, and they're, you know, it's definitely helped our resale market, you know, yeah. so those that have been selling, mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously the days of REOs and foreclosures are past and, uh, with the lack of new inventory coming online, we're pretty much left with just the resale market. So it's definitely helped. There's been some great appreciation for those that have owned and, uh, but you know, I, I, I do see a balance, you know, down the road when it comes to new construction. You know, everything is really focused on high density and affordability, which I believe is, in my opinion, a part of everything. Uh, but at the same time, I, I do believe there's still, still other markets and other demands that uh, it'd be great to have that balance where it's not all high density. Oh, I'm with you. You definitely don't yeah. want to lose the feeling of Paso. Yeah, there's a few times where I've 
I've wondered if the, the, the single family home with the, the front and backyard is a thing of the past with all the projects seem to be mixed use or high density um, in nature. Um, it's not always the case, but it seems to be the, the predominant plan that you see out there. We do need to take a quick commercial break and then we'll, uh, we'll be here for the home stretch here the last 10 minutes or so of the show. Uh, do stick around. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. All right, here we go. This is the best part of the show. Uh, normally on a Saturday, this is the uh, the ten minutes before we're free for the weekend. Or you know, I'm sure Brian, you're probably getting ready to meet with a client or something. <laughs> but uh, you know, here we are on a Wednesday. It's just going to be time to go home. Um, so that's nice too. Uh, Doesn't make you feel like you're getting let out of school for a weekend. <laughs> no, it's a little little different. Little yeah. little less. Little <laughs> yeah. less. But still, it's it's a it's a good feeling nonetheless. Um, I you know you you've got a few few properties there in front of you. I'm always curious of what's out there in the market. You know, I'd love to find. Let me tell you my needs list here, and we'll see if you've got the right house for me. Uh-oh. Um, I'm looking for that fourth bedroom. Um, I've got two kids. Right now, they share a room. Eventually, they're going to need their own rooms, and then I'm not going to have any place for a guest. So I need that fourth bedroom. I'd love to have an acre or more, just a little room. Um, is there anything like that up in Paso Robles or up in North County anywhere? And did you? That's see, not a million dollars. Did you see my list already? No, I didn't. Oh, okay, because the first one on the list. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> that worked out pretty good. <laughs> And the, and the the seller would really appreciate it if uh, this all came together. Um, no, the uh, actually the one that you know that what I was going to mention just a, a few of the listings that we have. And again, as we mentioned in North County, there's there's such a, a huge variety and uh, different price points, different amenities, uh, different lot sizes, uh, multi levels, and I mean the list goes on: vineyards, horse ranches, and uh, lake living and heritage ranch, Oak Shores. Uh, and uh, I mean, we do everything from south part of uh, Monterey County uh, to uh, to the grade, and so obviously along 46, Highway 41, and then out to to Creston and Shandon. And uh, but the uh, the first one you mentioned four bedroom. We have a four bedroom, three and a half bath in El Dorado Estates, which is inside city limits. They're majority one acre parcels, so this is a one acre inside city limits. You can pretty much walk to the gym, walk to the grocery store, schools, that kind of thing. And, uh, but you do have some nice elevation, nice views. It's like a daylight basement. So you got the one level uh, that has uh, three bedrooms, two baths or two and a half baths. And then downstairs is the second master bedroom or ensuite or for guests. Ideally, they have their own level. There's also a game room downstairs. So there's about 2,800 square feet in the house. Two-car garage, great for out- outdoor entertaining just because there's a huge patio out front you know, with a patio cover and uh, just a lot of lighting, uh, spa, outdoor fireplace. And then out the back is a large deck, you know, that takes in the view and the oak trees. But I said under a million dollars. Today, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's $6.99. Hey, there you go. There you go. And that's one of my favorite neighborhoods. 
It really is. It, it, there's houses were built at you know different times, so they uh-huh. don't all look the same. There's a lot yeah. of hills. There's a lot of views. It is definitely, in my opinion, one of my favorite neighborhoods in Paso Robles. I like going through there. Is there an HOA? No HOA, and uh, uh, and it, for most up there, no CCNRs. So, um, uh, so some people like the as, as well mentioned, just the the variety of it. Homes built at different times mm-hmm. and by different contractors, and most of them were custom builds, and so uh, a lot of lot of variety. And you're literally in the middle of the east side, and so. You know, you get off the hill, and you, you're close to just about everything. Yeah, but you don't feel like you are. That yeah. sounds you, like you the feel perfect. like you're out of ways. So it's it's really a nice it's a nice neighborhood. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a big fan. <laughs> so I don't know that like that's a great move up home for the you know right where I'm at, where the kids are growing up, and you need just a little bit more, more room. Yeah, they don't <laughs> want to share anymore. But I, I remember being well, a they kid. Didn't, they didn't start out wanting to share uh, <laughs> ever <laughs> ever. So. <laughs> I remember as a kid, I always shared. <laughs> you know, so, you yeah. know we, we, we grew up in 1,200 square feet, but a little different today, it seems like. Yeah, yeah it's a little different. <laughs> a little well, different. Kids are well cared for. Hey, and, and a big <laughs> right. yard so you can kick them outside, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's, see, brilliant. there you go. It's brilliant. It's got a slight slope to it, so they'll only go down a couple of times because right. they'll, they'll figure out that they yeah, have to walk yeah. back <laughs> up again. <laughs> <laughs> so great uh, for slip funny. and slide. Um, but there's again, a variety. So, um, there's, we have one that's in a 55 year old, uh, development. So, um, age restricted is 55 plus. And what's nice about it, it's built in 2002. So it's still, you know, contemporary style, vaulted ceilings, very light, very bright and, uh, no fix up. It's moved right in two bedrooms, two baths, and it's about 1100 square feet with a two car garage beautiful landscape front and back there's a big covered patio in the back uh, but it's very low maintenance in the yards and uh, that just fell out of escrow today and it was listed 375 oh wow so you know and uh, the dues uh, are 65 dollars a year <laughs> so <laughs> and uh, you are inside city limits of Paso Robles and um, so you're you know still close drive time to quite a bit of you know you know just about everything so uh, anyway, so there's a, a major benefit there, but the list goes on. I mean, we got uh, ten acre parcels, you know, uh, country living. We got one acre parcels. We got industrial. On, on some of these, you know, land only where someone could build. What's the water situation like in Paso Robles? Well, I mean, I think the media may, may have taken it. <laughs> a, a, um, yeah, the, I should say the perception that people have out there. So I mean, the, the city of Paso Robles, with its different water sources, is in a good water position. So inside city. Uh, when it comes to being out, it's going to—it's uh, a geographic area. Some are better than others, so you just have to, when you're looking and working with an agent, just make sure that uh, when you're going into escrow and that that agent, it's part of the contract that proof of water is essential. Not only gallons per minute, which is part, but also depth of well, depth of pump, depth of uh, water level before and after the test, recovery so, time. Yeah, recovery time. So anyway, the list goes on. We can talk more and more about things like that for sure. But uh, it is a concern for out in the country, especially on the east side. But again, there's there's pockets here and there, and there's a lot of variety. And uh, so to know those different areas and where sulfur is high or, you know, production is low or, you know, so just working with an agent that has the knowledge and experience of these different areas. And the resources of other agents to lean on when you know when, oh. when you need those other experiences oh. to draw from right yeah the, the team is, <laughs> the team is there to help yeah 
Um, we're we're nearing the end of the show here, so I'd love one more time if you could let our listeners know how to get a hold of you. Oh, most definitely. Uh, the you know multiple choices, but uh, <laughs> the website uh, realteam360.com. Our telephone number is eight zero five two three eight fifteen fifty five. Cell number eight zero five three nine one zero five one one. But you can always visit, stop by our office anytime. Um, it's uh, 1213 Vine Street, 1213 Vine. And uh, we're, we're proud of our location uh, just uh, up from the downtown park and uh, from our main office. Very cool. Yes. Thanks, uh, thanks, Brian, for taking time out oh. and joining us on the show today. Love really being here. It. I appreciate the chance and the opportunity. And uh, Will, um, thank you, sir, for being here. I know your schedule's been pretty busy lately. Yes, yes, it's been go, go, go. <laughs> um, if you need any help on the mortgage side, we'd love to help you get pre-qualified to look at the variety of properties available in North County. Love to help you refinance the property that you own already. You can call one number to ring all of our Central Coast Lending offices. Uh, it's 805-543-LOAN. That's 805-543-5626. I can't believe I'm just now mentioning that we have a brand new website up. Um, new look, new feel, new design, new pictures. It's all new. Go to centralcoastlending.com. We even have a new loan application now, so you can start the lending process right there on our website. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next weekend with another edition of Mortgage Matters.